One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Red Men Weekly Podcast. I'm Steve Hall, and I'm delighted to bring you some of the best clips from this week's Red Men Plus content. Like I always tell you guys, if you want to listen to these shows in full or indeed watch them in video form, redmenplus.com is the place to go. And we're currently running a special offer on subscriptions too. If you sign up as a yearly captain subscriber, enter the code BREAK, B-R-E-A-K, in on the promo code application form and you will get 50% off that offer expires at midnight on Sunday the 15th that UK time as well so yeah use the code break on a yearly captain subscription and you'll get 50% off right let's get underway our first clip this week is from the final word show it's the flagship show here at the Redmen TV this time of course it was in the aftermath of Brighton 2 Liverpool 2 and I was delighted to be joined by Dan Club and Steve Plunk to have a little look back at that draw at the Amex let's move on because I want to speak about McCarthy I don't know if this is the right place but we'll we put it in here Steve because you mentioned at the top of the show Liverpool bought a DM and don't play him. Um, McAllister, the more I look, he's clearly a very good footballer, but the more you see him in big games and Moscow, he's a six. I've got no issue with McAllister playing as a number six at home to Bournemouth. I've got no no issue with McAllister playing at home against a lot of teams. Against some of the better teams in the league, which Brighton are. I don't think there are many tougher ways for Liverpool this season than Brighton, really. It's, It's probably one of the top four or five difficult games Liverpool will play. It's Brighton away. I don't know, man. I, I just don't know if he if he's the man for that. And if Endo isn't, and Bacchetti is injured, I don't know, man. But like, it just it, it feels it feels like we're I don't know what's the word like compounding an issue. Maybe is Endo is Endo crap? I, I don't know. Like, there's, there's obviously a reason the manager's choosing McAllister in there because he's even admitted himself he he's not really there. I don't see him as that. He's doing a job for the team. But if it's not his natural game and he hasn't got those instincts, because it wasn't just this issue, there was a few issues with McAllister. He, he was miles off it. Yeah, he was. He, I don't know. It just it feels like an odd decision for the manager to keep picking him in there. It does, uh, and Belieber carries the ball seventy yards and screws a shot past the post, and he's not challenged by anybody. And it was like rolling back and watching the legs have gone for Bino and Hendo trying to keep up with all these young athletes, game in, game out. It would have, for me. It would have been better. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and it's dead easy to say it now. It might have worked, and it might not. But it would have been for me. It would have been Endo. It would have been McAllister on the left side of your midfield, and 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 um, Sobersley on the right. And you've got natural balance. We we had no balance at all for the first forty minutes. We were trying a tactic to bring Brighton onto us and try and release quick transition, but it wasn't working. Here's a side that were bereft of confidence to chip six against Villa. They'd, they'd, 
good spirit from them to get back in midweek in, in Rome and then they lost to Chelsea the week before so they had one draw in three games conceding nine goals and we just sat off them and said go on growing confidence I, I, for the, I said to you when I came in before I went live I can't understand the first 40 minutes from a tactical point of view I couldn't see an identity or a game plan and that's really really not Liverpool like is mm. it um McAllister's struggling at the moment and I said to Dan you know bringing in Gravenberch and bringing in Soberslow technically really good they might be better footballers than him in terms of what we want to do so he's going to have to change the way he plays a little bit but but he's not he's not the deep line midfielder hasten to call it a six because I don't think we play like that anymore it's a deep line midfielder for me um, but I don't think he's your man he, he was static he didn't even come to the ball for the goal he was, he was waiting for the ball to come to him and that's that's the thing that Thiago does so well as he comes onto a ball that's mm. given to him and uses the ball to manipulate it change direction McAllister gave himself no chance by being static I, I, I worry about him um, I think he'll come good I think if we get a, a proper you know Bessetic or Endo bedded in I think he's behind Curtis Jones on that left side of midfield at the moment. Good job we didn't pay 90 million quid for him. We paid a very reasonable, respectable fee for him. And he's got some work to do to establish himself in the first team because it isn't working what they're doing with him at the moment. And as a result of that, I think he's going he's gonna to lose minutes when we get it settled. Uh, what's harsh on him, Dan, is that he's, he is taking one with the team. That's exactly what he's doing. But you've got to remember, like, he's a World Cup winner who's come to Liverpool, big pressure on his shoulders, whatever it is, you're moving to Liverpool. It's hard when you don't start well to then get that back. That can be psychologically quite difficult. And I do feel for him in a way that he is doing he is doing a job, but he's not he's not like that good at it, really, in, in certain situations. And it must be doing his head in, it must be effective. Even at the end, you know, to say he gives him a round of applause to Brighton fans, which is nice, but you could tell he was like, oh. He, 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 it just wasn't right. I mean, his, his expressions and his manner suggest he knows he's, he's struggling a bit. And like I say, it's not his fault he's doing it. He's doing what he's asked to do. Could he be playing? Could he be doing it better? Maybe. But this is this is Jurgen Klopp's choice. Jurgen Klopp did sign Endo. He was apparently by all accounts him and and Schmacker went and got Endo. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they missed out on Lauya. They didn't get Caicedo. They went and bought Endo. It, it, at what point does Endo play? Because if it's not big away games against tough teams, then what should what what DM doing? Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, he looks low in confidence to me, Alexis McAllister. He does, yeah. and, and for me, the mistake, his part in the goal and the ever that was, yes, is something, but that doesn't even sort of bear talking about in terms of his all-round performance. For 45 minutes especially, I thought he was miles off it. I really do. He didn't look at the races at all, and that's twice we've been able to say that now this season. The Wolves' first half as well, albeit there was caveats to that and the fact that he was away in international duty and stuff, but he wasn't at it at all for me. And it's not of his making, obviously, but the problem is now is that obviously in October, we're not, if we don't fancy Endo for these type of fixtures, and I take your point entirely, if, we, if you're not going to play him in this sort of game, when are we going to to play him I'm not quite sure if we don't fancy him for this Thiago who knows if we do see him this side of Christmas no idea Stefan Pajetic likewise going to have to come back again and then get back up and running again so really Alexis McAllister if he's thinking about it he's probably thinking I'm doing this until January at the at the earliest I, I could maybe get a sort of a go in my favourite position after the, the transfer in the middle of the season that must be doing his head in because he's been signed, he's got the 10 on his back in the simplistic of terms. He's got the number 10 and he's playing as the deepest midfielder. Doesn't make any sense. We signed this lad for all this sort of what he can do forward thinking in the final third. And again, give him number 10 to say, oh, do you know what? You're a little bit special. We really fancy you and your creativity and that. And then we say, oh, by the way, do you fancy playing behind the other two lads? It, it's nonsensical to me what we're doing. And we're doing him no favours by doing it either because it's, it's, it's killing him. You can see it. And the thing is, like, 
is, he is doing a job for the team. And I, I, I'm not saying he's a bad sign. I think he's a, he's I a think good player. He's I a think he's, he's a fantastic player. And yeah. listen, compared to the number six last year that we had, who couldn't move? He might be better. You know what I mean? Liverpool are better than they were last season because Rubinho was stinky as well. But it just feels like I don't know. This isn't a McAllister criticism. It's more. Of, it's more of a. Going back to the summer situation, staying listen, it's Liverpool doing. They've had a good start of the season. This isn't like you know we're not like pooing on them like we did like the, last season when we when our heads fell off. This isn't that. This is just like little bits of of of, of criticism at times. It's more a case of could a few different things be tweaked. And I don't know. I, do you do you think if Endo plays instead of McAllister, Liverpool are better right now in big away games? Because that's the question. Because they're the only two options we've got at the moment of of sixes. How would you just take McAllister out, whether he plays as an eight or out the team and end those in? What you gain and what you lose, do you think? Well, you gain somebody that sits in the pocket of space that your team's using to hurt us straight away. You you gain by putting a player in there that, that thinks, first of all, what's the worst thing that can happen here when the ball turns over and the opposition have got it? So we'll take up a position where it's damage limitation because that's what it has to be. You're also talking to a lad that gives the likes of Sobber's light and whoever plays on that left-hand side license to go mm. and roam a little bit. And if it breaks down quickly, either or can drop in and make a double pivot. At this moment in time, we're soft-centred. And this is a... Chris Page that used that a lot last season as a phrase and it's right we, we don't have midfield balance at the moment we've got wonderful wonderful footballers technical footballers you know McAllister was bought because he sees a pass to break lines forward thinking as Dan quite rightly references he wears the 10 on his back and then we, we, we use him in a stopgap position which is hurting him it's hurting his confidence hurting his ability and you're right you might get a go at it in January but where would his confidence be in January mm. to doing what he's doing at the moment because he's a lad who doesn't look like he's enjoying himself at the moment so let's get a, a lad in there that, that does that and has been trained to do that and that's his job and that's the first thing he thinks about before anything else it's common sense, you know, filling that gap, that that pocket at the back of the midfield is causing us all manner of problems at the moment. And it's unfair to point the finger at McAllister because it's a stopgap and it's a stopgap that's not working, spectacularly not working at times. Fill that in and then work around who plays left and right of him. I said last season when I've spoken a little bit in defence of Fabinho, if you've got a good six, it relies on the eights being good either side of you. Well, it's not really working for either of those at the moment because we don't really have a six. And there's generally a big hole in there because his first thought isn't, mm. we've lost the ball, I need to be in, in, in the action zone to make sure I'm the first guy that tries to win it back. And, you know, it's what we saw in the cup match in the second half, Endo shuts everything down. If you're saying now you can't do that in the Premier League, you have to ask a question why we bought him. Thanks to Dan and for Steve for coming in for that one. Yeah, another up and down game for Liverpool. We'll see how that pans out at the end of the season. Was it a good point or wasn't it? We'll find out in due course, I guess. Moving on then, the Biased Football Podcast. This time, it's Paul, it's Chloe and it's Dan and yet the show where we have a little look around the league and see exactly what's going on elsewhere, including, of course, Arsenal beating Man City and tons, tons more. Yeah, check out a clip from the Bias Football Podcast. Man United 2, Brentford 1. So, um, there was a very brief moment throughout social media where everyone was just laughing their heads off at Manchester United. Um, it's been a bit of an ongoing thing for a number of weeks, which has powered the, a lot of this show, which has been great. Um, but ultimately, now it turned into the Scott McTominay show for Man United, um, which they will feel like is a good thing, but I'm not convinced this. I'm with you wholeheartedly on that. I think this is peeping over the cracks to the extreme. We've been here before under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, just as it felt like the pressure was all getting on top of a Manchester United manager. They got a result 
out of nowhere essentially and it was all relieved oh look he's the best thing since sliced bread again on we go Rio Ferdinand slamming down contracts on different tables <laughs> left right and centre and all's well with the world until in like five six weeks times it'll be now because the international break and stuff they're all going hang on I don't think he's every good anymore and then they win and on and on and on and on we go but yeah I do think this was just massively Brentford aren't at it at all this season like they're not what they were last term and just to switch on to them for a minute and they're very depleted really really depleted and it showed late on in this game because they got themselves into the lead I mean the goal's comical in itself like everyone's involvement like we thought we were trying to sort of a point blame to somebody <laughs> earlier on that like, this is horrendous like so Maguire's at fault I mean Lindelof Casemiro and then Onana I mean what on earth is that but, um, but what my point I'm trying to make is that Brentford because they are so fed bear in terms of their squad they just ran out of steam and they had nothing they were clinging on for dear life by the end and I think they even had to change the keeper early on because their number one keeper fell ill in the morning and stuff so they just yeah I felt sorry for them a little bit I watched the final 20 minutes because like you said everyone on social media including myself was just lapping it up just loving every minute of it so I thought I've got to see the end of this um, but unfortunately do you know what they had a sneaky suspicion when they brought McTominay on this is not just sort of hindsight being a wonderful thing I thought he scored a lot for Scotland recently like you just never know do you and then obviously he does what he does and credit to him for that you know on an individual basis fair play like but as I say as a United point of view I'm relatively happy because it means they're going to be sort of content with what's going on and yet in two or three weeks time it'll be like hang on he's shit Chloe you're nodding contentedly along I remember putting ha 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 that's unreal because I just thought to myself they're all sat there and, and look celebrate a Brentford win it's no, no, no. Celebrating United win, that's perfectly fine. I can understand coming back mm-hmm. so late on in the game. But also, I saw loads of people on Twitter being like, where's the, you know, Eric Ten Hag out people now? And I'm like, you've literally just scraped through against Brentford at home. And these were absolutely horrific. And it took a lad who doesn't start week in, week out to come off the bench and inspire that. Um, he's not in your number, you know, you're starting 11. And yeah, he came on and he was miles better than the rest of them. Um, so I actually found it dead funny because <laughs> once again, even though I should probably be a bit upset that United have won, it just it felt to me like they were all going crazy. And I just thought to myself, watch when you've just come up against a better side than Brentford. Like, Brentford had just, and they had chances to make it 2-0, 3-0. They never put the ball in the back of the net. That game should have been over and done with. Um, and, yeah, it, once again, it feels like paper over the cracks, which I'm perfectly fine with, because you now feel boss for the next two weeks of this international break, and hopefully you just get hit with a bit of reality the first game there. What smacks to me of, it's like when you go into pre-season games, you're really excited to see your new players or whatever, yeah? and then a player you know is surplus to requirements mm. scores the winning goal, and you're like, oh, well, I've learnt nothing about this, because I know it doesn't matter how good he is, he's not going to be part of this team, and I... I to your point there on, on Scott McTominay is like he's fine I think he's absolutely fine for ball I think he's been a bit maligned by that club but mm-hmm. there was something too because Maguire's heading Maguire heads to the cross doesn't he so it's Maguire with the assist and McTominay with, the, with the, getting the goal and you're like that's not your solution there that is that's a guy who is on his way out of the football club guys who are going to be on if the manager had his way they wouldn't be those players anymore Um, so yeah I agree I I think it's it's kind of nice. I don't want lads who are. I don't want like. I don't want Garnacho scoring the winner because yeah, I think like he's. You know, for, I'm told he's got a. Uh, he's got a high ceiling. He's a young player. He's going to get better. 
it's better that it's almost someone like Matomini because the thing is now Chloe, there's gonna be almost like an outcry to get him in the team yeah. when they come back for the international break. But there's a reason he's not in the team. He doesn't want him in the team. So that's another issue that he's going to have yeah. to face. They now. brought on Ericsson and I was like, what's he going to do? Someone's just going to skip past him. He's like, he's technically a brilliant footballer, sure, but it's past the time now. Um, and <laughs> Mason Mount played. And I was like, I, I, I was stunned at where Mason Mount is at this moment in time. He's fell off a cliff. I don't know. And also, what, he was playing out wide or mm. something. I was like, what are you doing? Like, Playing was an attacking eight. What, what, what is this? Playing him out wide. Uh, Rashford's in a real slump. But you know what? The other way I looked at it was right after the international break, they have Manchester City. <laughs> so please, if you have any belief <laughs> yeah. at all, right, yeah, now is the time for you to win a game in that fashion and believe that you can do something against Manchester City because if they would have lost, they would have went into that game being cowards and thinking, right, lads, let's just hold on here. And that's not how you win against Manchester City. And Manchester United should have the bottle to go there and put just create a, a bit of a, you know, put some rough tackles in, make it unsettling. Um, so actually it's helped me both ways in terms of it's papers over the cracks and you think the boss. And when they get battered 6-0 by Manchester City, I'll be howling. Or when they somehow win 2-1, I'll even also better. be howling because yeah. that's even better. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of that. Obviously they're going through a sort of an injury crisis. Um, I mean, they better be, given the back four was Dallow, Maguire, Evans and Lindelof. Um, Evans was really good. Yeah, I mean, like, he's probably, he might be the second best defender. And look, and for a man who's 100 years old at this point, I bet he's still younger than me, um, He, um, yeah, he's more fit than Rafael Varane, who's meant to be absolutely amazing, but he's never fit. Um but Casemiro again as mentioned he had a little resurgence the other week and then he's gone back to being shit again which is great they've got Amrabat in there so it obviously made up they can put him in DM and all that kind of stuff he's, he's fine didn't tell him oh nah, nah well I saw someone I saw I saw a screenshot of Alisson conceding the goal at the weekend and saying like if this was Onana there'd already be like a bunch of memes around it's like Alisson Becker's got credit in the bank yeah loads he, of you know, he can make mistakes because he's boss he oh, saved no, us in it. the same game. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, genuinely. Um, Dan just briefly on the Brentford thing. They're missing Ivan Tony. That's mm. that's the, it's one of them having a twenty goal a season striker. Papers over a lot of its cracks uh, over the cracks itself, and they're caught between the devil and the DPC. Of they couldn't sell him because he's not eligible to play. So they're going to go one of two ways. I feel in January they'll either get him back and he'll start scoring goals and that'll help them climb the table again or they'll sell him and then they're left with that decision of how do you use that money can you get someone else in to replace those yeah goals? I feel as though it might be the latter to be honest with you I feel like he is he is sort of already angling for a move away if he hasn't been doing for the last 24 months because every time he gets a chance to speak about Benford he's derogatory about them so um, <laughs> I think he'd much rather get the move away to be honest with you and there will be takers for him I have absolutely no doubt about that I seen he come back the other day and scored for Benford B in a Bianco Doors friendly so he's back up and running in terms of playing football again at least um, but yeah the Benford thing fascinating really I expected a lot more I watched them a week earlier against Everton and they were miles off it like just not at the races at all that day and I was quite surprised because I really like Thomas Frank I think he speaks well and he's, he's done a good job as a manager generally before I mean they are also injury, injury hit as well so that's not helping and when the squad is as thin as theirs perhaps that's having a very negative impact but they're not in any sort of immediate danger of relegation of course they'll be well clear of that I imagine but it's not happening at the minute for them either yeah 
yeah. Uh, moving on, Burnley Chelsea under the moment where you know Burnley are one up. Everyone's laughing their ass off at Chelsea. I had a bit of this on the radio, and it was it was telling that the the, the way they talked about the game was. Sterling is inevitable. You know, he, he had such a good game and it feels like, Chloe, he's going to be the one who kind of carries them through until they get everything else up and running. You know, he's that... It's weird to talk about him because we've got because of the Liverpool connection, you feel like you've got his Osage rubbish at all times. Like, But at the peak of his power, he's a world-class footballer, I think. And um, he's there, he's been there, he's done at the highest level. He doesn't look like he's shying away from it. Actually looks like he's quite bought into what Pochettino's doing. He gets goal as well. He's, he's all over the park for them. Um, Chelsea will... At some point, Chelsea, I think, are just going to start winning games. I don't think they're going to be a threat to the top end of the table, but th- this could be the early signs of Chelsea just gather themselves a bit it's Burnley um, <laughs> well that was going to be my next question uh, yeah. was our Burnley crap we'll come to that in due course yeah no Burnley might be going down uh, with the other teams that were promoted uh, believe it or not um, but yeah don't worry lads uh, usual defo finishing Europa League spots come the end don't you worry to their fans who believed in that Um yeah, no, it's it, it's Burnley. Uh, great. Um, Sterling is a good footballer. We all know that. I still think he's on the decline. He's not what he once was, which that happens. Um, but yeah, it, it's Burnley. He's played decent, but going to do it week in, week out um, against tougher sides and tougher opponents. And they also went 1-0 down. If that's against the better side, it's not just 1-0. Um, so... I'll give them credit, yeah. You, you've got back on the horse, but also that is a team of footballers who, who I just stand there and I'm like, how much did they spend for him? Really? Who is that? I've never heard of him in my life. And at some point he might get them gelling because he's a good fo- a good coach. But also on the other side, they look like a team who also, when they're like, you know, when it's the pressure's piled on, they just can't be asked. Enzo Fernandez looks like a player who's like, I'm Enzo Fernandez, I'm the best at the team here. If if the Gavin's getting tough, it, it's not me who's the problem. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a weird one. And Chelsea, oh, I guess we'll know more. But Pochettino's a good coach, isn't he? And yeah. whether he but it's interesting yeah. he started to do like the everything that needs time. You know, we all need to just be a little bit calm and just let me get on with my job. Yeah, fine, fine, fine. Burnley, Dan, um, for what it's worth, at 37% possession mm-hmm. in that game. Um at home now I know we're talking about like Chelsea are meant to be superior opposition and they should be and the players they got on the pitch fine but my contention I've had this for a few weeks for Vincent Company is what are Burnley meant to be and I'm not expecting them to have 70% of the ball necessarily against Chelsea at home but um, that's what they talked about. That, that's that's the idea. That is yeah, that's, what that's, it was. It, this is the different Burnley, isn't it? Like we yeah. sort of reference earlier on. Like it's not a particularly in previous incarnations of Burnley, Sean Dyche's Burnley. It was a tough place to go. We've experienced that ourselves and got last minute winners and had really difficult times at Surf Mob especially. But now it doesn't look like it is that anymore because they're trying to get the ball down they're trying to play a completely different way you haven't got Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood elbowing everyone for a laugh um, so it's a difficult, different proposition now and it's not working and I often wonder when teams come up saying we're going to and Norwich have been sort of the the leaders in this particular party for a long time now whereby you come up and say oh no we're going to stick to our principles we're going to get the ball down and play free-flowing football and it's all going to be great and just watch what we do and there have been some success stories of that of course have Brighton Brentford. are one of them Brentford are another one yeah 
yeah, ben, yeah. Benford to a certain extent, a little bit more direct when you've got Tony, especially. But yeah, I take your point. They try and really play good. football, and they, they stick were to high pressing, so. and they, yeah, they stick to what they do exactly. And Burnley've come up, and they've got decent Championship players, and they've gone, oh yeah, we're just going to carry on doing this, and it's not working. And how often teams have done that and then reverted to type quickly is fascinating. Now, whether Burnley do that in terms of the manager is interesting because it could easily pull the trigger on company if it carries on the way it's going because they've got again we spoke about a different club last week I think with Bournemouth they've got heavy investment there now and there's Americans in there who want value for money and what they're getting and they're not getting it right now it looks like to, to Chloe's point a moment ago they could be heading straight back down at the first time we're asking I would contend that Bournemouth are very much in that conversation we'll come on yeah. to them in a minute but if they are sort of circling the drain for want of a better expression so Christmas time and they are looking like they're going back down companies oh, I'm going to play nice football isn't going to last much longer you see this confidence is a huge part of that having the having the bravery to stick it out when it's all going wrong when Liverpool have had some bad seasons different levels to it of course but I, I think you're totally right on that you see it happen time and time again in the Premier League teams come up with these ideals but they are incapable of judging the standards. Yeah. So they come in, they're not prepared to play that brand of football, and then you're left with the decisions. You go back to, to your tried and tested. Normally it happens where clubs go, like West Brom have created this and Stoke ended up doing it as well, mm-hmm. where you get ideas above your station, but you're still in the league. And that's normally when you cock it all up and you change your, you change your system. Burnley should probably just double down on it. But... That you're right, there's going to come a point where I mean, if you're going to have 35, 37% possession, then you're going to need to actually know how to defend and be pragmatic that's, as well. That's the thing, like you mentioned there, doing it in the championship is a walk in the park. You come up against the likes of Bournemouth and even, I, mean, I don't want to put Luton in there and Sheffield United, but I am going to for this instance, even though they were down there. But you come and you face the likes of Palace, Bournemouth, Brentford, all of the bottom half teams and fair play Palace and Brentford can be top half um, but you come up against those teams even Everton and your walk in the park that it was last week it, last season is not the same because they know how Manchester City do it at the highest level here we have teams who do it at the highest level so these teams are already preparing for that and you're nothing like them teams who are doing it at the top so they know how to co- combat you um, and I, I always reference, reference Frank Lampard when he managed Everton and he kept them up that season he tried to play this lovely football with players who didn't have the ability because they weren't good enough and he made the decision just at the the one game soon enough that he saved himself when yeah. he decided fuck it I'm putting 11 men behind the ball and you know what I'm keeping it simple I do not care I just need points and at some point Burnley have just got to be hard to beat yeah. and doing this lovely passage of play isn't going to help you if you're shipping goals and if your players are too far up the pitch and you just get encountered you need to build a foundation and to do that you need to be hard to play and hard to score against this is it you know so it happened with Leeds come up by yes. you know by absolutely really blitzing good. the, yeah, the yeah. championship but it comes up in the Premier League there's lots and lots of teams play passing football. There's lots of teams who play in inverted fullbacks and all Everton these kind of things now. Like Everton well, have done it really good this season, just haven't always had the end product. Yeah, and and but these guys have got players who've played in the Premier League before, or they've got one or two absolute games, and it goes down to. And this is a bit of my ignorance, absolutely. But I we're going to come on to talk about West Ham and obviously Newcastle, and there's even like even Everton who we're doing next. 
I can pinpoint who the best players are in those teams. Everyone should be able to, and everyone in the Premier League who's going to finish in the in the in the first twelve positions in the league have probably got two match winners in their in their best eleven. Burnley might have that, but that's almost the issue with what they've got. They've got this whole squad philosophy, but sometimes you need a lad who's just better than the other lads who's mm. going to do more of the good more of the good things. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cheers to Paul and the gang for that one. Right there, next up, Jano Insight Time. I was delighted to be joined by Neil Jones, Liverpool extraordinary journalist. Um, me and Neil had a big chat about Liverpool's midfield, Alexis McAllister, Endo, Andre, maybe all this kind of stuff. Yeah, what is the future for Liverpool's number six role? Well, yeah, let's have a listen to this. Let's talk again. Again, I've named the title this because you wrote again on your Substack at the weekend. Obviously, the major talking about at the moment. If you kind of pick holes a little bit, is that is, is the is the midfield and and in particular the number six area? And Alexis McAllister himself said the other day what he probably didn't have his best game. Mm. Um, that is the one again. That's, that's probably the main question mark that's come out of that game. It probably it reared its head a little bit at Wolves as well. When again, yeah. different circumstances, Alexis has just flown across the world. But the fact that he got thrown in in that situation, I suppose, that is the one. Would, would you agree? That's probably the biggest talking point so far. Is, is that is that number six role? Is it Alexis? Is it Endo? Is there, is there someone else lined up? Because at, at yeah. the moment in time, it does feel like it's. It's it's Alex, it's Alexis's role, and he and I think it's fair to say he's been a little bit up and down at times. Yeah, I think I think he's been. I mean, I wrote today that. He's been a six in in terms of performance levels as yeah. well as position. So yeah. you know that six is not terrible. Yeah, fair, yeah. But but I think yeah, I think it feels a little bit like it's still being figured out yeah. by Liverpool. Not not necessarily the the personnel, but just the way it works. And I think it's so different, isn't it? You know, you couldn't really if you were asking for chalk and cheese in terms of number sixes. I think Fabinho and Alexis McAllister are not far off that kind of. 
that comparison. So Liverpool have been so used to playing with Fabinho in that role and, and, and having certain things from him and, and being able to rely on certain attributes of his, even if he wasn't playing particularly well for, for periods last season. To go from that to having someone like Alexis McAllister, it's a big change. So it, it means that, yeah, you, you know, you have to, the centre backs maybe have to be a bit more comfortable wrapping balls in and, and, and playing those bounce passes, or they have to, you know, be a bit more aware of aerial duels. And, and, and you know, Fabinho was, was obviously excellent in, in, in that regard. Maybe the, 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 the sort of full backs are can't be as high because the ball's being a bit shorter there isn't maybe that range or, or, or vice versa so I think there's still things that are being figured out I think Sunday was was one that I mean McAllister is culpable for the first goal but he's by no means alone I mean Van Dijk doesn't do him any favours Alisson doesn't do him any favours in terms of you know usually that just gets a that's one of them where Alisson gathers that ball and everyone sort of says calm down like you know sorry about that and you move on. I think maybe what's been the most, if you if you're picking holes in what way Liverpool look vulnerable, it's when they they're being run at, and and McAllister in particular is part of that. I think Trent Trent's part of that. I think Joel Matip's part of that. Where you're looking and saying, if someone gets you know Neto, we saw obviously in, in the Wolves game, but you see um, Baleba and Adingra on Sunday. You know, we've seen a little bit of Basuma and, and and players like that. You know, recently in games where you think, oh, you know, if they get a little bit of a a, a little bit of space to run, Liverpool still look a little bit too easy to get at. I think they've been a lot better in that regard. I do, especially when Kersis was playing and, and Sobersly, and I, I was, you know, I was a little bit surprised that it was not Gravenberg. It was it was Elliot on on Sunday. So I think that's still something that needs to be worked out. I think it's definitely improved. Definitely improved. Um, and I had a look. I had a look at McAllister's stats now because I thought, you know, you can sort of your eye test can tell you that oh well, he's really he's really sort of struggling to impose himself on games, and he's doing this. I actually, look, he's he's in the top ten for passes per ninety minutes. Um, he's in the top ten for ball recoveries, interceptions. He actually made the most interceptions of anyone on the pitch on Sunday, including one in the build-up to um, Liverpool's equaliser. And I think this. Uh, there's something else as well, blocks as well. Yeah, so um, yeah, so he's making, he, he's doing his defensive work. He is getting through it, and he is capable of doing it. I think maybe there's just those one-on-one moments where you think a battle of strength, or you know, a little burst of acceleration. Maybe he's a little bit too easy to beat. But I think he's, we've seen enough from him, in my opinion, to see that he's, he's a very smart player. He's a very adaptable player. He's a very diligent player, and I think he'll get better as he goes on. I'll be interested to see whether. It continues in this role. I have a feeling it probably will, because I think if Wataro Endo was going to be sort of the man, I think he'd be it by now. I think Liverpool would have put him into the the Premier League, you know, and and said, right, this is how we're going to play. Curtis was suspended in this game, and he didn't he didn't put Endo in. He took him off in the in the, the Union game on, on Thursday, and everyone thought he was going to start. He didn't. Yeah. He brought in Harvey Elliott, and he said it was because of the way he trained and the way he'd looked in recent weeks. So it suggests to me that. We'll carry on seeing Alexis McAllister, although maybe not against Everton in the next game because I think he's got another another longer way trip uh, with Argentina. I think they play Peru on the on the early hours of Wednesday morning, so he's not back till the early hours of Thursday. So I think we might see an endo or uh, a bit of a change in I the suppose, midfield for the next game. I suppose well, the endo thing—that's it, it, it's, it's a touch upon that—is that 
we saw this. It might be that we listen. We saw with Fabinho. It took him till yeah. about this time to get in the team and, and get himself sorted, and he just kind of fudged it until that point. At that point in time, yeah. albeit with different players, obviously Jordan was still about and, and helping with that role. It might be that, but also like the fact that he didn't play him at Wolves was probably more so actually than Brian. I actually think the Wolves one where yeah. McAllister had just been got off an airplane and, and was stating that and was clearly done in. Like he could just yeah. have stayed away. Um, and like I say, if you, I think there are times where, where you want if you if you. You know, a ball playing six for lack of a better word at the times to do. When we saw the value of that, you know, is 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 assist at home was it West Ham to yeah, Darwin? Darwin? Is yeah. is the is the perfect example? But Liverpool and they've got four games coming up. Well, again, we we mentioned maybe the derby and then games that they probably could do with that. But if you go away to a top side and actually think Brighton, are, I actually think Brighton's one of the mm. tough four toughest games Liverpool will play with Brighton away. That's where you might expect someone. If you if you're going to have a a DM like a a, a defensive DM. That, that might be the time to pick him. Does yeah. It, is, is this more than... I don't, I don't have indictments the right word. Is this more they don't quite fancy Ender or they just really want Alexis McAllister on the pitch? I think a bit of... I think, well, I think more so the, the latter than, yeah. than the former. I think what what's clear... And listen, I, I, we should point out and hat tip to, to Michael Reid for this. Liverpool had more possession than Brighton. Yeah. More, more XG. Yeah, yeah. That's very rare for teams going to, to the Amex. So... They clearly, they clearly had a plan yeah. that they were going to be brave and they were going to play out. They weren't going to sort of... It felt to me, I don't know if it felt to you at the time, but it felt like they were a lot less gambly with their passes. You know, there was there was far fewer of those sort of reaches into the into the corners and sort of getting them turned. They felt like they were really determined to play through and, and, and be willing to do that. Um, you know, even... even when they were under the pump at one nil down, and even when they were sort of hanging on a little bit in the second half, there was still a bravery to that. And, and Alexis McAllister is, is is key to that. Obviously, he's a different type of player. Listen, Endo, Endo actually, I think has done really well in the last two games I've seen him. You know, the first half against Union, the game against Leicester. I thought you bossed that spare. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you're right. He came on in a in a and and, and sort of had a real positive impact on yeah. the game, didn't he? When he when he came off, <laughs> albeit in crazy circumstances, yeah. of course. But he, he isn't. He isn't yet at that speed of you know. Listen, the two games he's done it was championship opposition and, and, and a Belgian sort of um, side in, in the Europa League. So it's a big step to do that against Brighton. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing as well, a little bit is what we, what, we, what we're talking about number sixes. I think there's been a little bit of a a sign this season that that, that, that number sixes are, are having to do a little bit more of that kind of thing. You know, you look at look at Tottenham's for example, sort of improvement. It's a lot of that's based around not being a destroyer and not having not having sort of a, a you know a, a Fabinho type player in there. It's actually a built around players who are can, can take so brave on the ball. They'll take it into their feet and they'll turn and they can beat a press. You know, Basuma's been excellent at that. You obviously see Arsenal. Um, Declan Rice. Declan Rice is a bit of bit of everything really, isn't he? But he's he's obviously very capable of doing that. You've seen obviously. Um, you know, Manchester United struggling with that player in there with Casemiro. He, I think he's been one of the players who's really struggled in, in in their start of the season. So, I think yeah, Newcastle of course, obviously the other one I was thinking of was was, was Bruno Guimaraes. You know, another player who's very much of that ilk in terms of you know on the ball midfield players. So I think maybe there is a little bit of a change in 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 that that sense or a little bit of a trend towards that. And Brighton, great example of that. Um, you know, I think I think everyone come away from that with a little. Little sort of mental note to keep an eye on Carlos Belaber and and Simon Adingra, you know, two players that have been brought in tw- nineteen and twenty one. They look like they're they're pretty good, don't they? Um, 
so yeah, I think in terms of in terms of Endo, yeah, you will it will take a little bit of time for him to settle. But I think you can say the same for McAllister. You know, I think we maybe we were all guilty of just assuming, oh well, he's Premier League ready. He's, he's straight out the oven and goes in, and, and you just sort of you get what you got at Brighton. They're a very specific side, Brighton. You know, they're a very they have a very specific way of playing. He's obviously playing a slightly different role to where he played there, but it still takes some adaptation to go from one Premier League club to another. Um, and so maybe we need to give him a little bit of a leeway as well, rather than just saying, "Well, why isn't he at that yep. that immediate level?" Um, I think he's done fine. Generally, you know, he's had a couple of difficult moments. He was unlucky in the Bournemouth game. He was hung out to dry a little bit in the Wolves game. Um, and he, yeah, he, you know, he, he was punished for an error in the uh, in the Brighton game, but. I don't have any concerns about McAllister long term personally. Thanks, Daniel, for that one. Yeah, thanks you guys for checking that show out each and every week. Love Journal Insights. It really is one of our top shows. Hope everyone's enjoying it. Those who are listening to it. Right then, let's move on. International break and all this week we thought it was the best time to launch our mini-series about Liverpool youngster Ben Doak, where he came from, how he grew up through the system and of course what the future entails for him. One of the clips, because Dan spoke to absolutely tons of people for this one, Dan's done a really good job of speaking to loads of his old coaches, the people who scout him, etc, etc. This clip I'm about to bring you is with Air United's Chief Academy Scout. This is Raymond Patton. He was a man who first spoke to Ben Doak, there's loads of stuff as well. You've got Billy Alexander, you've got Liam Anderson, loads and loads. Yeah, all about Ben Doak. Check out this little clip from that show. Now, you were the head scout at Air United Academy, and I think I'm right in saying you're the man who unearthed Ben Doak. So tell us how you came across him, tell us how it happened, and tell us what your first thoughts were. Yep. Uh, got information about the, the, the Rye Boys Club, it's a small town just above North Ayrshire. And uh, the team he was playing with was doing well. So we went up, you know, how information goes about. And we seen the team playing. Uh, and they were very good. It was in an Astra pitch, a wee, like, a wee cage thing, you know, the cages they have. Uh, and uh, Ben stuck out right away. He was the youngest in the team. And uh, just scoring goals is for fun, you know. Uh, hard to pin down hard to knock, knock off the ball and I thought well there's something here and I think I did move the first time I can't remember now but I maybe went back again seen him again I think I possibly did and it was excellent again so I made the approach that uh, to Evan Ferns who was a manager and done a great job with that team he uh, said no problem uh, we'll get him in he's that bit younger we couldn't sign him at that time we didn't have a policy to, to sign players uh, at that younger age group Ben was nine I think but uh, you couldn't take your eyes off him for his, his uh, kick him up and down the pack as to see any bounce back. <laughs> you came across him when he was very young, obviously. What were your first impressions of Ben? When did you first see him and what did you notice? Yeah, we saw him. We were taking under 10s at the time and he was playing up a year. But Ben, he was just a I know, special talent. He would light up the game. He, he, was like, he was just a fiery attacking player. I loved taking players on his speed and his skills. And he would score lots and lots of goals at that age. Also provided a lot as well. And we just knew he had something that was really good. So we used him. We had him at under 10s. And then we had him for a short period at under 11s before Celtic came in and, and got him. But he was a, a special talent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned sort of 
how you used him there in his goal scoring prowess and the fact he was assisting as well. Was he always just an attacker then? Was that what he wanted to be? He wanted to get the ball and, and make things happen. I mean, most kids want to be an attacker, I yes. guess, don't they? Nobody grows up wanting to be Gary Neville, to use that old quote. But was he always <laughs> get me on the ball, let me run at defenders and just let me just score yeah. goals, basically? Yeah, he was full of confidence and he was just uh, he was such good with skills and technique and ability. He was, yeah, he was, he was one of those special talents. You don't get many of them, but he had it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You you obviously seen a lot of youngsters come through the academy and yeah, some some make it, some not make it. Obviously, could you tell with Ben straight away that he was a little bit different? There was something special there. You've mentioned his talent. Was he unique? Could you tell straight away that if this kid doesn't make it, God help the rest of him, basically? Oh, definitely. Seven shoulders above everybody else. He was he's hungry and he was always wanting to learn. His you know his behaviour at training was really really good and. He just had it. Even his technique, his ability, he was just so good on the ball. And, yep, always willing to learn. He's a great player. But, yeah, we have saw a few for United as now. We've had under-11s breaking into first team. But Ben, yeah, he's just just such a special talent. When could you tell, tell you what, this kid's a little bit special? Uh, pretty much straight away, to be honest. Um, when I joined the academy, um, Ben was with the under-11s. And he was a year younger than everyone else, so all the boys were 10 and, and he was nine years old. And he was smaller than everyone else, but he was, he was so powerful and so raw. You know, it was like um, almost comparing to a young Wayne Rooney, like just so, again, so raw, so powerful, roughing the, the ball, but had a real eye for goal as well. And even going against older players and training and games, you, you would never think he was younger, you know, like he, he had a, a kind of older aura about him. And, when he was playing. Um, yeah, so as your person, pretty much straight away, you could tell this kid has something for sure. Cheers to Dan for that one. Like I say, that two-part series is available on redmenplus.com right now. Really is a special one. Go and check it out. I do urge you. Ben Doak looks destined for greatness at Liverpool and if he is, well, yeah, you'll, you'll want to know his origin story. Right then, let's move on. Again, international break. Loads. Nah, I say loads. Loads of free time, I was going to say, but loads of time to reflect on what's happened so far. So we introduced our latest show. This was Red's Roulette. Effectively, what we did, we put all of the players we've played for Liverpool this season onto a wheel. We spun it and whoever it lands on, we had a chat about their season so far. It was me, it was Dan, it was Chloe. And the wheel, as it so happens, landed on the Egyptian King Mohamed Salah. Okay, let's, go, let's, let's move on to our, uh, our second player. Ooh. Be kind. Oh, not so be kind. How can it not be kind? They're all good players. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 this one's easy. This, oh, hello. This, let's talk then about the king of Egypt, Mohammed Salah. Um, Chloe's just done it again. Like, for all the, for all the talk in the summer of Mohammed Salah, is he even going to be here? Has his head gone? Does he want, is he miserable? Does he, what, blah, blah, blah. He has a goal machine and an assist machine and that's he has just been like I say he might not be the the same player as he was three or four years ago in terms of impact on the game as like constant giving the ball he'll run at players whatever but my god Mohamed Salah knows how to pass a ball and how to finish a ball and he's just shown it again already yeah it's it's ridiculous the levels of, of Mo Salah um, I, I, there's a certain lad who's retired at his age uh, already and I've got Mo Salah still tearing it up in the league bear in mind I think aside from Erlen Haaland who's just a machine Mo Salah is potentially the best player in the Premier League he's just absolutely outrageous um, and you all knew you had glimpses of him with, with unbelievable assists um, but this season 
then I, I mean first of all we all thought he decided to make a new role of himself and become the provider for everyone but it's just his vision and the fact that his technique and his his way to pass has just improved so much he's a joke he's ridiculous <laughs> um, he's unstoppable and even in games where you don't see him he'll pop up with a goal still or mm. he'll do something to influence the game um, he's back on pens as well and he seems to be slotting them so far I'll touch, I'll touch me I just in case that, that stops um, but yeah he's just lethal I, I don't have any I think we've gone through the superlatives of what we can explain and describe Mo Salah with he is just world class one of the best in the world um, we're extremely lucky to have him and I, I hope to God this isn't the last season of him because hmm. if he can replicate this level again next year you're missing an unbelievable footballer he's got 10 appearances in all comps, six goals, four assists. So even I can work that out. It's a goal contribution every single game. Score five in, in the league, obviously, and one in, in Europe. He's got the four assists in the league. Dan, if someone sat here and said to me, Mo Salah's the best player in the world, I argue against me right now. Mm. There aren't that many arguments. You can name other players. You can name other players who are having really good... And even in the Premier League, there's lads having really good seasons. But he is like Chloe's right. There are he's in his he's in his thirties. It's a, it isn't the same player as what he, he was, but it's, he's doing it differently. Mm. And his impact on the game, like I say, is still huge. Teams are terrified of him. He's got everything. He's just a killer as well. You go back. You mentioned it about Jota earlier. Like he might be the best player in the league now. He mm. might be the best player in the world now. It's it. He might not be. And there's other names you can throw out there who, who have really good seasons, of course, but. There's no drop off in Mo Salah. He's still in that. He's still in that level of football that has even in the, his, you know, his early thirties. No. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and you can add another assist to that tally if you want for the Diaz one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're going to be dead honest about yeah. it. And there's a couple more. I was thinking through some of his performances there and the goals and the assists. There's a couple more passes. There's another one to Diaz which he probably should reach. And he doesn't quite get to. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's passing and what he's offering in that aspect now is something we haven't seen loads of. Like he's always got decent numbers when it comes to assists, but they were often sort of laying it on a plate for Sadio Mane or Bobby Firmino whoever it may be but now we are seeing a slightly different Mohamed Salah with still chipping in with his own outstanding goal contributions in terms of scoring himself because it's interesting the way he's playing because it's almost like we've all, we've all spoken about how well he's linking up with Darwin Nunes and he does appear to be just slightly deeper when Nunes plays because Nunes, Nunes is often the man running behind he's got I mean twice against Newcastle was Salah through to Nunes so that's a new thing that's like almost like a 10 Mohamed Salah whereas when it is Gakpo and Jota it's slightly different and Salah's allowed to be old Mohamed Salah a little bit more and running at people and that type of stuff but Chloe summed it up perfectly there. Like, he is outrageously good. Like, we are still so lucky to have him. and We should never take him for granted. We always give Nunes his flowers and Sobers lie this season especially, but Mohamed Salah still do Mohamed Salah's things. Like, he's just... This is his world. We're all just living in it at times. Like, we really shouldn't just underestimate the fact that he turns up in games, gets his two goals, goes about his business quietly, and then we all move on. Like, he is ridiculous. Like, the other day, I don't think he was great the other day, and he scored twice. You know what I mean? It's just... It's, It's mad. It's also his, his work ethic, his determination, mm. his desire. I mean, I've not seen a person more in shape in my life. He, he just he doesn't seem like he stops. He cares so much about his body to be able to play at the highest level. And I've been shocked with, with Sobersly in terms of, I don't think I've seen anyone press like him. Like uh, Salah was the only other player who I thought could be fitter than him um, in terms of how, how they can just carry on going. 
And Mo Salah just is he's, he's relentless. That's yeah. the only way. Yeah, he he's yeah. obsessed with being the best. And that is the best part of him. It's that no matter he can he could he could score a trick, but if he missed the fourth chance, he'd be fuming on himself. Yeah. And he'd want to go and prove it right. And that's the thing. He, to be on the level that Mo Salah's is, you have to be obsessed with wanting to be the best. You have to be obsessed with putting the right food in your body, training the right way, recovering the right way. And he is. He's just all of that. He's everything that is perfect in a player and that you want in a footballer. We've got a couple of you uh, Discord comments rather. Ashley says he's he's an assistant goal machine mm-hmm. and he's also taking on a leadership role even without an armband. Yeah, which yeah. is fair enough. Yeah. Quad bod Salah starts in every team in the world and that's the only way to think about him. Yeah. Like there is a genuine case to make Danny he might be the best player in the world. Like he might mm-hmm. he might he, I thought this what season was it? It was the season when we had the Ekru came in when he, and he just scores that he scores the Attic at Old Trafford. Yeah. I was at that moment in time, I think he was the best player on the planet. He was, yeah. He uh, was. I, I think he was. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a world now where. Who else is there? Like, really? Like, Harland is different. He's a killer. He is. He's, he's unbelievable. Don't get me wrong. They're not bad players. There's really great players. Vinicius Junior is a brilliant winger. Yeah, Jude Bellingham might want to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't want to say it because he didn't no, come to you're right. But yeah. I think you're right. Listen, overall, I think you're right. Mohamed Salah and what he's doing right now, you can't bring your message into the equation anymore because of where. And listen, best I've ever seen. Like you know what I mean. But because of what he's doing and where he's doing it, he's not quite the same now. Ronaldo, likewise, it might well be Mohamed Salah. We might have to have a big old conversation because Harlan albeit freakish albeit robotic hasn't had the start of the season he probably would have wanted um, and there's a few seven goals yeah of course no, of course there's a few is, in the same yeah. boat yeah but for what Mohamed Salah is doing now the development and sort of the transformation in his game he may well be in that conversation once more and I'd happily have it with anybody but I think if you ask the last defence who was the best player in the world they'd probably say Mohamed Salah because that cameo in Austria was a farce like he came on yeah. and literally went do I need to be here like and he just just ran I said it was like in school when the year 11 just joined them with the year sevens and he was like I am, I'm just running around rings around you know? <laughs> like they're, they're also professional footballers playing in the Europa League and you never would have guessed no. it was a joke that it really was like he must have felt I was like really you need me go on then and that was levels mate that was proper levels that. and so when the Salah conversation with you close that there was serious question marks about his future we didn't know on the dead well, after our deadline day that Saudi they were still taught that he's going to Saudi Arabia someone bid you know, a record bid for the fella. Like, it, it could have happened. I don't know whether he wants... We don't know if he wants to go, did he want us to... We'll never know that until down the line with someone, you know, it'll come out in, in, in time. He's showing no... He's showing no effects of that. Like, he does, it doesn't look like... like He doesn't look like a lad who's sulking or who's got a cob on, per se. He's just like... Even during all that time, he was just scoring goals, assists, goals, assists, goals, assists. And we haven't seen no drop-off. Which, like you say, there's almost like an assumption that this is just the last year of Mo Salah. Like everyone's just agreed to it. Liverpool would be mad to like. I'd be having contract talks now, like straight away. I'm like, this is your level now. I, you can do this till you're 37. There's no reason why we can't. Everyone's looking past Mo Salah. He could be here for five more years if, if he wants to be. Like, the, the conversation will become. It'll come up again in January. It'll come up in the summer. But like, I mean. No one's going to be unhappy if Salah's... Surely we all want him to sign this contract. No, I, I, at the start of the scene, it was like, oh, well, you know, just uh, keeping this in and we'll sell him and everyone will shake hands. I was like, don't want to lose this. What will you, What can you do to replace this? This is un- unreal. Yeah, it's... I can't even explain how important he's been to, to Liverpool and, and to winning trophies um, under the Jürgen Klopp era. And it's just like... I, I t- I've seen some unbelievable footballers play at Anfield in my life 
um, and he is up there with the best. And the fact that he, any distraction, he just takes away from it. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't speak about it. He always says the right things. You know, when he's being questioned on it, it's like, now I'm at Liverpool and I'm happy to be here. Um, and I hope he doesn't leave next season because he's irreplaceable he just is irreplaceable Um, and I don't care what anyone says no amount of money is going to find you the next Mo Salah because I don't think there is one at this moment in time Um, it's very slim pickings for right wingers out there especially ones that can do what he does I mean you think about it we've had to stick him up top when we've gone down to you know 10-9 men this season and he's been incredible up there as well Um, he's versatile his work rate his work ethic there's just He's just perfect. He's an unbelievable footballer. Oh, well, season out of 10? Nine for Nine, me. Yeah. Cool. Cheers to Chloe and Dan for that one. You hopefully enjoyed that and all those amazing clips that we've just brought you. Like I say, if you want to check out them all in full in podcast or video form, redmenplus.com is the place to go. And don't forget to use that code break on a yearly captain subscription and get yourselves 50% off. If you sign up now, you get it for an entire year. So what? You get the rest of this amazing season both transfer windows and the start of next year as well. So yeah, what no better time to get yourselves involved. Entertain yourselves over the international break while the Reds are away. And then when they are back, we've got you covered with pretty much two games a week, each and every week. So tons, tons of content. Honestly, it's hours and hours. You won't regret it. So yeah, redmenplus.com. Sign up. Use that promo code BREAK as a yearly captain and get yourselves 50% off. In the meantime, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Whatever you get up to, we'll be back with another Redmen weekly podcast next Friday. See you all then.